I preach, you pull. That means that you guys are engaged in this learning process, right? You want to you draw truth uh, through this sermon. So, and really be engaged in uh, God's giving a word to Josiah. King Josiah. Hallelujah. Amen. Good morning. <laughs> How are you guys doing? <laughs> good to see you guys. I'm doing good. Uh, so we've been in this series the last month, Hidden Heroes of the Bible, and uh, it's been so good. Like I've gotten so much out of it every week. Um, and I just wanted to recap briefly kind of what we've been talking about. Uh, the first week we had Pastor Nino, and it was awesome. We talked about Ananias of Damascus and how each of us could be an Ananias in someone else's story. Everybody remember that one? That was a good one. Um, and he was often overlooked, like you usually look at Paul, right? He's, he's one of the main characters here in the New Testament. But we don't really look at Ananias very much. And uh, week two, we had Pastor Chris, and he shared with us the story. Yeah, fire up. Yeah. <laughs> he taught us about uh, how each of us, about the blind man who Jesus healed. Remember, Jesus put the mud on the guy's eyes and um, how he was seen by Christ. He's usually over, often overlooked, but Christ saw him. That allowed him to see others after that. And, um, and then last week, it was an amazing sermon. Uh, Pastor Nino preached on Mary Magdalene and how she had her repentance moment, her mucus moment at the altar. <laughs> it was really, really good. And how each of us needs to have our own Mary Magdalene moments of repentance, too. Um, but each of these are in the New Testament. And so I thought, let's go to the Old Testament. Let's take it back. <laughs> yeah. So this hidden hero is going to be in the Old Testament. We're going to the book of Second Kings. Um, and so I'm going to lay some context for us. Uh, if you don't know much about Bible history yet, um, you're, we're gonna. Uh, but and I love history. That's like my favorite thing ever, right here. <laughs> we love history. And uh, so for the people of Israel, God made a covenant with them or a promise, saying that. As he led them out of Egypt, he, he's going to bring them into the promised land. Right? Does this kind of sound familiar to most people? Um, and uh, this covenant or promise that he made with the people said that as long as the people were obedient and followed what God told them to do, um, God would bless them and give them abundance in their lives. And, um, and he wanted a people who would consecrate themselves and be his people and... Um, but if they lived lives of disobedience and turned away from him to other gods, then he would judge them, right? And so there's like this promise of obedience to what God has taught them to do and then also the consequences of their sin. Um, but God really wanted to have a people who would consecrate themselves or give themselves to him and live differently in their culture so that he would be glorified among all the people around it, all the nations that didn't know who God was. And so First and Second Kings, uh, this part of the story uh, is the story of all the different kings that ruled over Israel and Judah. And there was a lot of them, and most of them were very good. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> uh, politics, man. <laughs> uh, the kings were really wicked, and there was like this cycle of there'd be a king who would all of a sudden like say this king was wicked in the sight of God and would do bad things. And then it would get worse and worse and worse. And then there would be a king who would be like, oh, wait, we forgot. We need to go back to God. And then it would go back up a little bit. But it wasn't 
fully like rededicated to God, and then there'd be another wicked king, and then just a cycle going down, <laughs> downward spiral. And it wasn't very good. Um, and actually, it got the point of the story where we're at. We're at the very end of Second Kings, so the end of the story, and the book of the law, which is what God gave to Moses to teach them, like this is how you ought to live as my people. They had actually forgotten it. They'd lost it. Like the temple had been desecrated, there were idols in there and stuff, and this there's like this lost scroll, the book of the law, that is gone. And this is where our hero comes in, and we find our hero. Uh, his name was King Josiah, and we're going to look at his story today. And I like his story a lot. <laughs> but let's pray first before we get into the Word. So, um, Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for your Word, and that we have this as a guide to teach us how to live for you, Lord. And I just pray, God, that you would just bless each of us today as we look at Scripture, and that you just help us to go all in with you today, God. And uh, we love you so much, Lord, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Alrighty. So, we're going to look at 2 Kings chapter 22. And we're just going to read this chapter, because it's a great story. And that's one thing I love about the Old Testament, is it's mostly stories. And I got... There he is, his crown and everything up there. Um, but let's get started here. It says, Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jadida, the daughter of Adiah of Bozpah. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in all the way of David, his father, and he did not turn aside to the left or to the right, right or to the left. So what it's saying here is like, his father, David. David wasn't actually his father. He was the king who Josiah was a descendant of. But uh, Josiah's actual father, we learned in the chapter before this, was actually assassinated. And that's why this, there was chaos going on in the kingdom. And that's why Josiah was eight when he became king. Usually they don't crown kings at eight years old. Um, some context. So, in the 18th year of King Josiah, the king sent Shaphan, the son of Azaliah, son of Shulam, the secretary, so Shaphan was the secretary, <laughs> that's what we get from that, to the house of the Lord, saying, Go up to Hilkiah the high priest, that he, that he may count the money that has been brought into the house of the Lord, which the keepers of the threshold have collected from the people. Let it be given into the hand of the workmen who have the oversight of the house of the Lord, and let them give it to the workmen who have the house of the Lord, repairing the house. A lot about the house. That is, to the carpenters, and to the builders, and to the masons. And let them use it for buying timber and quarried stone to repair the house. But no accounting shall be asked from them for the money that is delivered in their hands, for they do honestly. So what's happening here is the house of the Lord, or the temple, where God's presence dwells, um, they're repairing it. They're renovating it. Because it had become, under Josiah's grandpa, Manasseh, um, it had been desecrated and other idols have been brought in. And so there's this rebuilding process happening. And as I was reading this, has anybody ever seen, like, Chip and Joanna Gaines? Yeah. Fire Up? Yeah, right? <laughs> Brooke and I like to watch it once in a while on our days off. Anyway, <laughs> Brooke likes to watch it. <laughs> this, as I was reading this this morning, it reminded me of that. I was like, we got the carpenters in here, the builders, the masons. Like, everybody's going to work. They're tearing everything apart. There's, like, yeah. <laughs> And so you see this construction zone happening, right? And they're like cleaning stuff out. They're finding hidden crevices where there's like hidden stuff. And that's where we pick up right here. 
So and Hilkiah the high priest said to Shaphan the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. This book that was lost for a long time. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan and he read it. Shaphan the secretary was like, whoa, uh, we found something here. <laughs> Report. <laughs> Take this up to the king. So Shaphan the secretary came to the king and reported it to the king. Your servants had emptied out the money that was found in the house and have delivered it into the hand of the workmen who have the oversight of the house of the Lord. We were doing the job, you know, they're taking care of the money, they're putting stuff to work. Oh, and by the way, it says, then Shaphan the secretary told the king, oh yeah, and Hilkiah the priest has given me this book. Like, okay, you found a book, that's cool. And Shaphan read it to the king. And so this is a huge moment, right? Because we've got generations here of people forgetting that they didn't have the word of God, right? They've forgotten this. And they finally found it. And this book of the law taught them how to have a relationship with God. And that's something that we can take for granted sometimes, right? And they had this book that had been lost, and they found it. And so Josiah's response is going to be really important because Josiah's grandpa was probably the worst of the kings. Like he did, I mean, he was like sacrificing children. Like he, that was terrible. And Josiah's dad was assassinated. It was a whole situation. And then so Josiah has this opportunity now to respond to, they just found the book of the law. So what's he going to do? So verse 11 says, when the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes. We don't really do that very much anymore, I don't think. Like, <laughs> you ever get like some news and you just, like, I don't really do that. Um, but this was like a symbol of grief at the time, right? So like if you were to tear your clothes, clothes took a long time to make, and it was really, really expensive, especially if you're the king. So if he's tearing his clothes, this is a symbol like, well, something, something's going on, uh, to put it lightly. And the king commanded Hilkiah the priest, and Ahikam, the son of Shaphan, and Achor, son of Nakiah, and Shaphan, the secretary, and Asiah, the king's servant, whole, the whole gang, saying, Go, inquire of the Lord for me, and for the people, and for all Judah, concerning the words of this book that has been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us, because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book, to do according to all that is written concerning us. So Hilkiah and the gang went to Huldah the prophetess, the wife of Shalom, the son of Tikva, son of Haras, keeper of the wardrobe. I like that they added that. I don't know. <laughs> I was reading that like keeper of the wardrobe. Like that's cool. <laughs> Just making sure the king was, you know, fit. <laughs> now she lived in Jerusalem in the second quarter, and they talked with her. And she said to them, "Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel: Tell the man who sent you to me. Thus says the Lord: Behold, I will bring disaster upon this place and upon its inhabitants. All the words of the book the king of Judah has read." because they have forsaken me and have made offerings to other gods, that they might provoke me to anger with all the work of their hands. Therefore, my wrath will be kindled against this place, and it will not be quenched. So I think it's just so interesting that, like, the things that really upset God was that they've forsaken him. And, like, God desires relationship with us so much, right? And the thing that broke his heart was that the people forsaken, like, they've forgotten God. Um, and made offerings to other gods. They were taking what they were and giving it to other false gods. And that's crazy. But to the king of Judah, who sent you to inquire of the Lord, thus shall you say to him, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, regarding the words that you have heard, because your heart was penitent, 
I was struggling with that word, penitent or repentant, sad. And you humbled yourself before the Lord, and you heard how I spoke against this place and against its inhabitants, that they should become a desolation and a curse. And you have torn your clothes and wept before me. I also have heard you, declares the Lord. Therefore, behold, I will gather you to your fathers, and you shall be gathered to your grave in peace, and your eyes shall not see all the disaster that I will bring upon this place. And they brought back word to the king. And so I just think that's really cool. Like, because, so God was like angry at the people because they were doing horrible things, right? Sacrificing children, and just, it was horrible. Um, and God hated that for his people. He didn't want to see his people just hurt like that. And uh, Josiah's response was repentance and sorrow for what the people were doing, and that caused God to have mercy. Like God, uh, Josiah's humility brought God's mercy to the kingdom, and that's crazy. So, and then in the next chapter, we're just going to read a little bit here, but this is Josiah's response. Uh, then the king sent all the elders, and the elders are the leaders, not the oldest people, um, of Judah and Jerusalem were gathered to him. And the king went up to the house of the Lord, and with him all the men of Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and the priests and the prophets, all the people, both small and great. And he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant that, they had, that had been found in the house of the Lord. And the king stood by the pillar and made a covenant before the Lord, or a promise, to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart and all his soul, to perform the words of this covenant that were written in this book. And all the people joined in the covenant. So that's our story. And we're going to dig into it a little bit here. But first, I have to say, this was one of my favorite stories growing up. Because I was like, oh, shoot, there's this Bible story and the person has the same name as me. Like, that's awesome. And you notice that um, the king, he becomes king when he's eight. So I was looking forward to my eighth birthday so much because, like, I become king when I'm eight, right? <laughs> and you can assume I have four younger siblings, and they loved that. They were, they were like, actually, I have a picture of, I forgot to bring my prop. I was going to bring my Burger King crown. But when I was eight, I can't remember if I actually went to Burger King to get the crown or if I made one myself because I was eight years old and I was like, number two, no. Um, <laughs> I wore this around all day and I was bossing my siblings around. Yeah. It was hilarious. <laughs> oh, poor siblings. That's cheap. Anyway, let's keep going on here. <laughs> um, so some observations that we could make from the scripture that we can apply to our lives. Um, and we can, yeah, we can, yeah. <laughs> we can move on from the Burger King. Um, so what made King Josiah a hero? Obviously he's, like, what can we learn from the story? And just to set it up, um, I just really love hero stories. Like, Marvel movies are great. World War II movies, like Saving Private Ryan, like, Man, yeah, Amir gets me. Um, they're just so good. Um, they're really good hero. And I think my favorite stories, the best stories, is like when there's a hero who arises during a time of like uncertainty and difficulty. And we definitely see that happen in this story. And I think there's some parallels just to set this up for the observations we're going to make. Like there's parallels, I think, in our generation and the generation that Josiah is in. Um, you look around today, and there's definitely some animosity towards Christians. Like in popular culture, there's like a resistance to, to God and God's word. But I think like the thing to me that I've noticed the most that has me most sort of like heartbroken for our generation is just like forgetfulness about God. Like you talk to people and they never really read the Bible. They, they don't understand the stories that God has given us in his word. And um, people don't even really know the gospel. Like 
you say, hey, what's the gospel? You talk to a random student sometimes, and they're like, I really don't know. And I'm like, wow, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, it sometimes feels like we've lost a love for the truth that is in Scripture, and um, people seem to not fully understand what this gospel is. And uh, a modern illustration of, like, this forgetfulness of God that um, I thought would be really good to read is a quote from Alexander Solzhenitsyn, who was a... Um, a writer and a thinker. Uh, he was a communist, and then he went to a concentration camp in Russia. He was sent there uh, during the Soviet Union, and uh, he spent his life trying to understand and explain why did these atrocities in the Soviet Union happen, right? And so this is what he said. He said, over half a century ago, while I was still a child, I recall hearing a number of old people offer the following explanation for the great disasters that had, been, that had befallen Russia. It said, men had forgotten God. That's why all this has happened. Since then, I have spent well nigh 50 years working on the history of our revolution. In the process, I have read hundreds of books, collected hundreds of personal testimonies, and have already contributed eight volumes of my own toward the effort of clearing away the rubble left by that of people. But if I were asked today to formulate as concisely as possible the main cause of the ruinous revolution that swallowed up some 60 million of our people, I could not put it more accurately than to repeat, men have forgotten God, that's why all this has happened. It's crazy. Uh, Pastor Nina showed that quote, and I was like, yeah, I read that. <laughs> uh, that's heavy stuff. But I think it just illustrates a really good point of, like, you can't forget God, you know, and Thankfully, we have the scriptures, we have the Bible, we can get it on our phone at any time we want. Like, that's amazing. So, um, yeah. But so what is it that made Josiah a hidden hero? Uh, he wasn't really hidden, he was the king. <laughs> so like, as opposed to some of our other stories, he wasn't hidden. But I think his story is sometimes not really known. Like I don't think many people really know this story, because Second Kings is kind of a long book, and not always the most riveting of material, um, but it is a really good story, and uh, there's a lot we can learn from this. Um, uh, but So what made him a hero? And the first point here um, that I think made him a hero is that he was a hero because he made his, a decision to give God everything. Um, the scripture says in, in chapter 23, verse 3, that King Josiah decided to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart and all his soul. And I just think that's very heroic of him. Like he, he was all in. He gave his whole life to loving God with everything he had. He didn't care that it had been generations since anyone had done this. He didn't like try to blame his grandpa or the people before him. He took responsibility and said, like, I see this, I see what God wants, and I'm going to own up to this and go all in. Um, he didn't care that the whole nation had forgotten what it meant to follow God, and he tore down everything in his life that was an idol that would hinder his relationship and his worship of God. And he also cherished the word of God. When they read it to him, he was like, wow, this is powerful. I need to listen to what this is saying. Um, and it transformed him from the inside out. Uh, point number two is that he valued the pursuit of truth over popularity. And I think that's really important for us, and I know I took this lesson away as I read this, was that he took a stand for what was right in a culture that was going the other way. Like his culture was going, was going crazy. Like they're killing their children, and that's just crazy. Like I can't even imagine like a culture in a world <laughs> like that's that's crazy. 
Um, but he took a stand, and people were like, yeah. And so he also made a decision to destroy, like, well, we, we, this was later in the in the chapter, but he made a decision to destroy all the pagan altars and completely end the worship of idols. And that would have been very unpopular because this was just ingrained in the culture. Like, everybody did this thing. Um, and not only did he end those former practices, but he reinstated the practice of Passover, which hadn't happened in generations. And this Passover was, like, a really significant part of what it made, what made the Israelites the Israelites, right? Um, and, uh, yeah, he flipped culture upside down <laughs> by standing up for what was right, uh, despite knowing how unpopular this decision would have been. Um, so to be here like King Josiah was, we need to be able to take a stand for what is right in a culture that is going the other way. Um, and then our third point is that he used his influence to bring others into a relationship with God. And that's maybe one of my favorite parts of the story. Um, the last verse here, uh, verse 3, it says, And the king, in chapter 23, verse 3, it says, And the king stood by the pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart and all his soul to perform the words of this covenant that were written in this book. And all the people joined in the covenant. So it wasn't just that it was personal transformation in his life. He took that personal transformation and all the people joined in with him. He used his influence to then bring other people in relationship to Christ with God. Uh, and he had a lot of influence. He was the king of the whole nation. And unless there's something I don't know, I don't think anyone in here is a king or president or king of a nation. <laughs> and if there is somebody, please let me know. Like That'd be cool. <laughs> um, but we all each have influence in the lives of those around us, whether that's friends, families, or classmates. Um, and so to be a hero like King Josiah, uh, let's use our influence to lead people closer to Christ. Be honest about what Jesus has done to transform your life and talk about your faith in Christ and how it grounds you, brings you peace, empowers you to live life to the fullest. And people are really hungry for this. They're hungry for God. Uh, but we just have forgotten exactly what that means, right? And so, yeah, let's live it out. So some modern application, um, just to back up for a second. Like how can we apply this story, the story of a king with a cool name from a few thousand years ago? Uh, to us at U of M today. Uh, well, he was a hero just because he went all in with God in his generation. And uh, this leads us to the question, like, how do I follow Christ and make a difference in a culture that has forgotten about God? And it's simple. The answer, is, I think, is simple. It's not easy. I do not think it's easy, but I think it's a pretty simple answer. Go all in. Uh, we've seen this lived out in each of the stories we've heard over the past four weeks. These are all people who went all in. When God touched their life and they had a radical encounter with God, they were all in. And I think we need people who don't just talk the talk, but they walk the walk. And we don't just serve Christ with our lips, but we serve him with our lives. And we can demonstrate our love for God by being obedient to what he says in the word. And so if there's areas of your life that you know are inconsistent with being a follower of Christ, let's today's the day to bring it back in alignment. Like let's let's get back to get back in place. Um, I just want to challenge you, like, give yourself completely to God and do it unashamedly. Like that's what I think was key with Josiah. He he was like, man, we I'm not living the way God wants me to live, but I'm gonna follow Him with all I've got, and I'm gonna tell everybody that I'm doing this. Right? He was all in, and he put all his trust in what God promised. Um, 
And so what's so great about the story is that what God did in Josiah is he also wanted to do through him, right? And as God transformed King Josiah's life, he then brought transformation in the lives of the whole nation. And so that just encourages me so much. Like, don't underestimate, like, what God does in your life as an individual because it can also affect, it affects the whole community, right? Um, And we really want to see an awakening at U of M. We want to see lives changed forever by the power of Christ. And I really believe sincerely that God wants to do this through each and every one of you guys. Like, I think that'll happen. Um, so, bands can come back up and sing some songs. Um, but I just want to like close with this. Um, just imagine what could happen in the dorms and classrooms and lives across the campus if students committed to say, "I want to go. I want to unashamedly give myself completely to God." And so, I want to double dog dare you. This you've been double dog dared. Take this year to go all in with God and see what happens. Do everything in your power to follow God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Reach out to your friends. Become a vital member of a core group this year. Ask your core group leader to have a one-on-one with you and commit to it. Daily spend time with Christ in prayer and the word. Talk to your friends about what God is teaching you and ask them what he's been teaching them. And I dare you to do this for the whole year and see what happens. And... It's going to be awesome. So.